Welcome to episode number three of Dan Time. I'm your host, Dan McArdle. It's good to have you here. Thanks for taking a look around the Daniverse. This is a podcast for people who just like to hear interesting conversations with different types of people, different backgrounds. And I guess for the first few weeks, we'll keep it going as long as there's still some interest. You're going to hear Dan after Dan after Dan, but not the same Dan. So you'll have a good bit of variety, and this week is no different. Let me recap really quickly. I just want to drop a couple quotes from the first two episodes. Jim Powell kicked us off episode one. A great takeaway from that conversation was, you got to be happy. You just got to be happy in this world. And I know it's hard, and I know it's a daily effort for a lot of you people. It is for me too, but you got to work at it. Take a look around. What's your workplace like? How are those people? Who are your friends? Who are your family members? Look around your house. Are people bringing you down? Are they bringing you up? Try to identify people that make you happy, that bring something to the table, something you want to emulate, and just a positive attitude, and hang on to that. And episode two, Dan Weinrib, a great conversation. I can't wait to bring it back for the playoffs in a couple months. An awesome quote from Dan was it's some advice he received from his mom a long time ago when he had just won a very close race, and it was, keep in mind the people who have always been on board, your longtime friends, people that knew you before you were a big deal, and they're still here. They're still your friends. And then I try to identify the people who came along right when you were taken off, and maybe they're still here too. And then the people who became your friends after you won. You could apply that to your life, too. Everyone's maybe been on top for a minute, for a while, for a few months, a couple of years. And then things didn't work out so well, and you crashed down. You know the people who have been there through all the periods of your life. So I thought that was a great reminder. And we've got some more practical advice from another Dan. And that guy is Dan Lindemann. He is my first on-premise sit-down interview, and I was just stoked to speak to this guy. He's been in business longer than the Internet has been around, continuously. A&J Mugs, downtown Pensacola, opened in 1953, and Dan bought the business in the late 80s. And just a wonderful conversation. This is one of the few ceramic shops, uh, mug shops, that I'm aware of, at least in this region. I don't know how many there are nationally, but great guy, a real colorful guy. He's done a lot for Pensacola. He stuck up for the city and the citizens on a number of issues. I didn't really get into the weeds on that, but Dan is just a wonderful subject, and I really enjoyed our conversation. I think you will too. All right, some quick stuff about Dan time. So I appreciate the feedback that I've received so far. You guys are awesome. I appreciate my listeners from around the country and around the world, and we are just getting started here. So if you enjoy it, just park it here at Dan Time. It's always going to be entertaining. I aim to keep this show light but thoughtful, if that makes sense. Check us out on the socials. Now, I'm on the the platform formerly known as Twitter. I've always just said X. Maybe that confuses some people, but it used to be Twitter, at DanTimePod. Then there's Instagram, Dan Time Pod, and also Facebook page. 
Now, if you go to each page, you'll notice that they get updated differently, different times. Might be a couple things that are different about each one. So find one you like, and there's always some interesting content. I have started this segment on Fridays called the Friday Challenge. So if you if you enjoy it, leave a comment. If you've got an idea for a Friday Challenge, you can always reach me. My email is dantimepod at gmail.com. And remember, if you'd like to come on the show or if you've got a recommendation for a Dan or somebody who's connected to a Dan or has no connection to a Dan but is just a great interview, send them my way. And I appreciate everyone downloading, subscribing, and leaving a star rating if you like the show. Let's get to my interview now with Dan Lindeman from A&J Mugs. He has owned A&J Mugs for close to 35 years. The operation actually began by two gentlemen, was was opened by two gentlemen in 1953 under the name... Was it? It's called Blazing Company, yes. So original location was on Navy Boulevard, and they moved it to downtown Pensacola in the mid-'80s. And so Dan and his wife have been running the shop for almost four decades here. Now, some background on Dan and why I felt like he was such an interesting subject here. Dan is a uh, Marine Corps veteran. He arrived in Pensacola in 1974 at 21 as a flight student. And I I think he was really, like a lot of people, just loved the area and kind of saw a vision for himself and his family and started planting seeds at that time. But in the Marine Corps, Dan flew the AH-1 Cobra, which I guess sometimes called the snake or the Huey Cobra. There's one, there's actually one like it here. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but Veterans Memorial Park. I'm going to mention some landmarks in town for people who have not visited the area. That is a must visit, the Veterans Memorial Park, but there's a H1, uh, either similar or just like it there. H1J, yep. Same one, I I actually flew that one uh, out in California. I'm going to wrap up with the bio really quick because I could just go on and on about this guy. But uh, So he joined the uh, U.S. Marine Corps at 19, served 11 years. It was actually, as a flight instructor, was a customer of A&J in the, uh, I guess, late 70s into the early 80s mm-hmm. and uh, became interested in ceramics. And I guess it was just a natural move to take over the business. Dan, I'll, uh, I'll let you pick up from here. Just let, you know, take me back to 19... 19- 74, you know, or 75, 76, when you're getting acclimated with Pensacola and you start having these ideas like, hey, this, this might be a good place to yeah. settle down. Yeah, well, I did. I, I came here in 1974 as a young second lieutenant, uh, just graduated from TBS up in Quantico and was coming here for the uh, Naval Aviation Training Command. And uh, I got here and immediately fell in love with Pensacola. And I made a promise to myself that I would come back. Uh, buy a home in the historic district as close to the Hopkins boarding house as I could possibly get and uh, someday own a business downtown. And uh, I came back in 1980 as a flight instructor and uh, I did exactly what I said I was going to do back in 1974. So here I am. In this business, because it is a a niche industry, you don't see these on every street corner. You don't see them in every city. No. were there times in the 80s, the 90s, uh, early part of the 21st century where times were lean? Was was there ever a, a period where you thought, oh, I don't know if this was such a great idea? Or have you always built a reputation in the community? And uh, has the business and the brand always been strong, I guess? Well, you know, with any small business, it's a struggle. It, it, it really is. You've got supply side issues. You've got employee issues. Uh, just... Uh, being in small business is like being in hell sometimes. 
Uh, but you just have to have a belief, the tenacity to stick with it. And uh, I think the belief, it just you believe in yourself. And uh, it, it's kind of funny. Uh, you, you talk about a mug shop. You tell people, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and you say, I, I make coffee cups and beer stones. And they just look at you like you're, yeah, right. No, seriously, what do you do? And I said, no, that, that, that's exactly what we do. It's a very niche business. Uh, and in the military, beer steins go, go back to the 1700s. I mean, people had a commemorative beer stein for every regimental unit they were in. And it's just a, a program that we've continued. Uh, a lot of pride in, uh, in ownership of our products. Uh, we, get, you know, we ship all over the world. And uh, we do all the branches of the military. So we're, we're doing something right. And, yeah, but... Uh, Believe in yourself, and I'm very proud to be the owner of a mug shop. I, I really am. Is it true that everything that's made here is completely American-made? Everything that we do here is American-made, and our steins, the bulk of our steins are made at one of the oldest potteries in the United States up in East Liverpool, Ohio. Uh, now, we have had to do some importing from China and Taiwan uh, simply to meet the demand. The, the potteries in the United States pretty much fell off the bandwagon uh, back in the 60s. They just fell off, uh, and it was all taken over by China, uh, hence the name China. All your China is made in China. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we have stuck with this little place up in East Liverpool, Ohio, uh, since 1953. We've been buying from them continuously. Uh, in fact, their factory was made pre-Civil War. Uh, it's an amazing little place. Uh, and they're still in operation, and hopefully they'll be in operation for years and years to come. So just a, a very basic overview of how these mugs and steins are produced. They are The logos are attached, and, the, and then they're baked in kilns. How long does that process yeah, take? Actually, it's, it's called a water slide ceramic decal. We screen print, just like a T-shirt shop, we screen print. Uh, instead of ink, we're screen printing actual ground-up rocks and glass. It's called ceramic glaze. It's suspended in a very uh, unique oil, uh, and we screen print to a water slide decal paper. If, if you've any of you guys out there, anybody, to tell you the truth, that's made a model airplane or a model car, and you've got a sheet of decals that you soak in the water, and you slide them off onto your model, we do the same thing. We print on a uh, decal sheet, soak these things in water, slide them onto the uh, mugs, squeeze them down, dry them, put them in a kiln, and they fire up to about 1,600 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, so they, they are there. One thing uh, that I took notice of the first time I met you, Dan, and walked around the shop is uh, you have some very prominent customers going all the, all the way up to the uh, two yeah, president, two, three, president three two presidents. vice presidents. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, it, you, just, you do things uh, like, for example, the, we've got letters from uh, George Bush and Dick Cheney. Uh, after 9-11, uh, we're big dog owners here at the shop. We've always got dogs down here, and we knew that Cheney and Bush were the same way, so we made them customized uh, dog dishes uh, and sent them up to Camp David uh, because we knew they were going to be up there, and we sent those up there with a little note that, hey, uh, we hope that after uh, this crisis has been uh, put to bed that you guys can take time and relax a little bit and enjoy your pets, and we sent them these dog dishes and we got some really nice letters back from George Bush and from Dick Cheney both. Wow, so you, so you um, actually jumped ahead and, and decided to produce these for them, yeah. and they hadn't reached oh, out no. to you. No, but was, Yeah, we do. We, we are, we're, the folks at Camp David use us for their coffee cups, beer steins, 
And uh, so we've already got a, a link to the pit place, and we knew that we could get these things to them. I called the protocol people up there and said, this is what we're going to do. And they said, absolutely, send them up. And we did. And it was, yeah, it was pretty neat. Uh, is there a story you'd like to share of um, over the past 34, 35 years of that door opening and some dignitary or somebody? I mean, you probably never know who's going to walk in here, but have you had someone walk in and where you thought, wow. Uh, <laughs> no, we we haven't had any presidents or anything like that. Or they in. usually call or uh, God, it, it's, God, there's been a lot. To, to be honest with you, uh, uh, I, I don't even know where to go with this. Uh, kind of caught me off guard. Oh, that's okay. But yeah, we've had we've had some very unique folks walk in and uh, and sit down and visit. Uh, and again, it's the shop. If you walk by it, it's you know there, there there are not a lot of mug shops anywhere, and we don't look like a mug shop. We look like an antique antique shop. Or a curiosity shop, and I guess the curiosity side is what draws people in, and uh, and they come like, what's the name of the magician, the big guy that made the Niagara Falls disappear and everything? Uh, oh, uh, Copperfield. David Copperfield came in and spent about two hours in here, and he was just mesmerized by the place, and uh, he actually sat down over in that chair right over there, and just you don't mind if I just kind of sit down and absorb this place for a while, do you? Uh, yeah, no, not at all. Uh, Dan, it, it really it has a museum quality to it. When you walk in, I can promise you guys, uh, if you walk in here, you're not going to see anything like it that day. Wherever else you go, you're not going to see anything like it probably that week. And uh, if you're traveling from out of town and you go back to Ohio or you go back to Kentucky or wherever you're visiting, you're going to remember this place. It happens to be a couple doors down from the historic Rex Theater. Dan, I'm really curious to know... Uh, about the wrecks and the different periods that you've seen, the the dormant period where wow. nothing yeah. was going on, and then the restoration. Yeah. And when I, when I first got here uh, in the '70s, the Rex Theater was a triple X movie theater uh, <laughs> in a basically abandoned downtown. There was nothing down here, uh, and then it sat empty for a long, long time. Uh, and then it was utilized uh, as a rental place. There was a dinosaur exhibit that came in and did a few things. Uh, it's a cool old building. It's it's gutted now. It's not anywhere near what it used to be. But uh, the church folks in there have really done a good job with it. In one time, did they try to revive it with a a, a cinema and draft house? Is what yeah, I was reading. Yeah, yeah, it in did. The yeah, that late eighties. That did. <laughs> it was one of those deals where you go in and watch a movie and have pizza and drink a beer. I think that went for maybe two th two years. Maybe uh, it just it just didn't make it. Uh, nobody nobody back then was coming downtown. I mean nobody. It would, that's why I'm downtown. The cheapest buildings that I could buy in Escambia County were downtown Pensacola. They were the cheapest buildings. And that's not a joke. It's That's the truth. They were the cheapest buildings I could buy. Yeah, folks, Dan has been here since people left downtown at 5 o'clock and just got out of here to now when people either get off work and stay down here or they get off work across town and come downtown. How cool is that to see? And I know it's not perfect all the way around but just i mean like tonight is gallery night and uh all the events and um palafox market how pleased are you to at least see some of that stuff oh, i love it you know when i when i came here like i said 1974 I, I swore that i would buy a home downtown i bought up in the north hill historic district uh everybody thought i was crazy uh and then when i bought the buildings downtown everybody thought i was crazy uh but you know, you just, it, it didn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure out that someday this place was going to just pop and explode uh, for the same reason that I believed in it. A lot of other folks did. 
and uh, it's now becoming a very unique place. I hope it maintains its quaint charm and doesn't get too big. We don't need another Bourbon Street or a Beale Street. Uh, I want Pensacola to stay the way it was about 15 years ago. Well, speaking of that, now I, I found a quote from 2007. I mean, not that long ago, but this is pretty cool because this is before downtown really became the hot spot that it is, kind of right on the cusp of it. And you said people need to know that this is their downtown and they need to utilize it as often as they can. Yeah, that's that's the neat part, and that's that that was the key word that the people that live here. This is your town, uh, and I don't want to see outside investors coming in and driving the little guy out. I, I want to see, that, like I said, the, the the quaint charm of downtown maintain itself and uh, that unique quality of uh, the locals. Uh, I think is what made this place. The, from restaurants to galleries to small business, it was just it was local and. Uh, I hope it stays that way. Now, speaking of local businesses, restaurants, uh, A&J, I guess you've had a long relationship with McGuire's. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that relationship and how long it goes back. Well, it, it was going when I got here uh, back in 1987. And it's just it's an example of how a business saw an opportunity to give their patrons a sense of ownership uh, by selling them a beer stein that was personalized and hung in the bar. So they were part of it, and that attraction has, I, I know we're approaching 300,000 beer steins uh, with Meguiar's. They're one of our oldest, longest non-military customers, uh, and they've just been absolutely excellent, and we've enjoyed being a part of their, their tradition and their uh, uh, customer loyalty. It's just been, it's been a, an honor to do that. Uh, Dan, real quick here, because I know an operation like this, it takes a group effort. I just want to throw out some names here. Caroline, your GM. My daughter, yeah. yeah. She runs the place. Jules, your office manager. Julie. Jeff, who I met, yeah. art director. Callie and Remy, the, the two pups. The dog, yeah. Have there been variations? Have you had some other dogs uh, long yeah. ago? Oh, my God. From Well, the day I walked in here, we've had dogs. Uh, yeah, I've got pictures of them all, too. Uh, we've, there's always been a dog in the shop since I've been here, just always. And they've been a big part of the shop. In fact, they're almost more... We have people coming by just to see the dogs. So, right. And at one time we had five, five dogs in here. And uh, Megatron was one of my employees' dogs. He was a uh, a severely abused, very big pit bull that just looked meaner and snot. Uh, I mean, he was huge, but he was the biggest love bug you've ever seen in your life. And we'd actually have people come in to see Megatron because uh, he literally, a uh, guy named, young guy named Brian King, uh, got this dog uh megatron was on death's doorstep and we nursed him all back everybody pitched in and he's nursed back and uh he became a really neat part of the shop and Meg Moon <laughs> megatron's counterpart was moon thigh uh, another rescue dog in fact all the dogs are rescue dogs every every one of them we never never bought a dog they they've all just kind of found their way to us uh yeah dogs the dogs are cool and once you come in and you see the dogs here, it's hard to imagine not having a dog here. Uh, they do kind of fit with everything. And they seem quite comfortable yeah, as well. they, they own the place. <laughs> um, Dan, real, I want to go way back to Abbott and Jones. I found, a, I found an old advertisement, I guess, of two mugs that they were pr promoting back then. I don't know if this was the 50s, 60s. The A.J. Victor mug mm -hmm. at that time was the most popular yeah. And then the AJ Swank mug, an eight ounce. Um, are these still in the product line, or yeah, 
the Victor mug is kind of a unique story. Uh, it was made by the Victor Insulating Company, uh, and they started making mugs during World War II because uh, their initial business were making insulators for electrical wires and telephone poles. And when the war broke out, they weren't stringing any wires. They were using all the copper for bullets. So this company decided, well, we've got to do something, and they started making these mugs, and they called them Victory Mugs from Victor, New York. And they were sold to the Department of Defense. Actually, it was done through the Quartermaster Corps business back in those days. And the mug became very popular. Uh, when the war was over, the Navy, everybody in the military drank out of a Victor mug. And all the diners and the restaurants continued to buy this thing. And it just became a staple in coffee shops and everywhere else. It, to this day, uh, Victor is no longer uh, making coffee mugs. Uh, they're all made in China. And uh, but it's the same style, same everything, and uh, so that's the story behind the Victor mug. Yeah, it was Victor, New York, and the World War II vets referred to it as the Victory mug, and that's why that's how it got its name, the Victory mug. Real quick, I, I think I mentioned at the top that you you earned your wings of gold as an AH one AH one J Cobra pilot. Now, in order to earn your wings of gold, if I'm correct, you got to go through API, primary flight training, intermediate, advanced turboprop and then advanced helicopter training. Back then, is that something that you kind of rolled into, or did you was that a goal that you had in mind? I've always been fascinated with aircraft. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad was in the Navy, and we were stationed at Bethesda, Maryland, and uh, the H-34s would come roaring over our house on the way to the helipad at the hospital at Bethesda, and I became fascinated with aircraft and I just continued to pursue it. I would draw aircraft, I would make model airplanes and uh, when I was at col in college at Ball State University uh, Vietnam was just ending and uh, there was an opportunity to uh, join the military uh, without a college degree under this thing called the Aviation Officer Scholarship Program and I thought well that, that's kind of cool. I was bored with college and not really doing anything great and uh I signed up at the age of 19 and, uh, yeah, got commissioned when I would just turned 20, uh, finished up all the stuff the Marine Corps makes you do, and then came down here for flight school and uh, best time of my life. I, I enjoyed flight school more than anything I'd ever done to that point in my life. Not that I'd done a lot by then, but, you know, <laughs> as a 20-year-old, it was, it, was, it was fun. It was just it was a damn blast. I couldn't believe I was getting paid to do, to do that. I can't believe I got paid to fly, period. It was that much fun. And then and, and you also turned around as an instructor and trained not just Marine Corps flight students, but Navy, Coast Guard, and uh, uh, Allied Nations. Some Saudis, some Iranians. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Being a flight instructor was, was, a, was a blast, too. That was, that was kind of fun. Real quick, Dan, I've got some uh, kind of lightning round questions, just some silly season questions I like to ask all my guests. And I tell everybody, if I hit on one and you're like, uh, I'm going to take a pass. You can always use a pass. Okay. Okay. Favorite Pensacola restaurant? If you and your wife go out to eat or uh, if you've had a long-time yeah. favorite or a current favorite. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> my wife is the best cook in the world. And uh, so my favorite place to eat is uh, a meal that's been prepared by my wife. Yeah, no, I, I really don't have a favorite restaurant in Pensacola. I don't. Uh, my favorite place to get stuff is at Joe Patty's Seafood and cook it ourselves. And that's, that is a destination, again, for people that are thinking about visiting Pensacola. You have to go by Joe Patty. I mean, almost everyone here will tell you that. I send everybody to Joe Patty's. 
speaking of your wife, can you remember your very first date with your wife? Yeah. The, again, I might be putting you on the spot because if you said, oh, shoot, I don't remember. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, we met, we met at, a, uh, at a dance and uh, fell in love. That's all I can say. How beautiful is that? That is just. We've been together since 1980. We got married in 1980. As a young boy, let's go back to six, seven, eight years old. What was your favorite hobby? What was something that you liked to do back then, just oh, as a I little tear, kid? Tear engines apart, uh, figure out how things worked. Uh, my grandfather was a mechanic up in northern Minnesota. Uh, he had me welding when I was eight years old. Uh, the first truck I ever rebuilt was uh, a Dodge Power Wagon, a straight six. I completely rebuilt that engine. Uh, Rebuilt a straight eight, a Buick Roadmaster straight eight out of a flexible bus when I was 10. Uh, didn't do it all, but my grandfather just here, do you know how to read? And I said, sure. And he said, well, then go get the Chilton's book and look up that model engine in the year and tear it apart and, and rebuild it. And when you have a problem, call me. I'll come give you a hand. So, yeah, I, I've, I was taught at an early age that there's basically not a thing you can't do if you don't try Great advice. Great advice. I was going to ask, what do you have a favorite piece of lawn equipment or small engine equipment that you like to get your hands on? I've got an old uh, a 1924 hit-and-miss engine that I just love. I like to fire it up every once in a while. I like gears. Anything mm -hmm. that, that burns, burns gas, diesel, and has oil in it uh, and makes noise, I, I, I pretty much like to mess with it. Dan, are you a cereal or oatmeal guy or neither? I am a Cheerios Almond Crunch guy. I've noticed over the past few years, like the Cheerios uh, section would have regular Honey Nut. I think that was it for a long time, and now it's like a big wave of <laughs> yeah, if you, six if, or seven different. I, I look for the Bogos at Publix, and when when, when, they, when the Bogos hit, I load up on the uh, the almond Cheerios, and I don't put milk on them. I just eat them. I eat them raw out of the box. It's like a snack food. But I, every morning I have my my Cheerios. What would you uh, recommend to? someone that maybe is 21, 22, or maybe maybe 31 or 32, and they're thinking about starting a business, they've got a passion, what's some advice you'd give so they don't jump in too fast and, and fail? And I guess that could happen with any idea, but do you have any advice where they can kind of go in and um, execute it the right way? Yeah, you know, everybody says passion, passion, passion. And I said, you know, a passion is great. Uh, but if a lot of other folks don't have that same passion, your business isn't going to go very far. <laughs> and so, you know, I laugh because, you know, mugs. Okay, well, how in the hell do you have a passion for mugs? And it, seriously, you know, being in the military, one of the very first things I ever did, the first mug I ever got is up on that shelf. It was from HMA 269. And, uh, yeah, that was a big deal. You you ordered your, your mug. You you got your mug. It's got your name on it with a call sign, and it's got your squadron patch on it, and you've become part of the group. So I knew how important the mugs are and the steins are and how, uh, you know, everybody that I ever saw had one. And I thought, well, if everybody's got one, that, that must be kind of a pretty cool business. I mean, you know, it's recession-proof. The, the eagle farts every, you know, twice twice a month, regardless of what anybody else is doing. So... There's always going to be a discretionary income with the active duty military. And, uh, man, making mugs and beer steins just, just made sense to me. I thought, let's give it a shot. And plus, it, the graphics to it, the, the, uh, the actual screen printing, uh, it's, it's challenging as hell. It's a, it's a craft. It's a, it's a highly skilled craft. And uh, 
I, I still enjoy it to this day. So I would say find something that you absolutely love to do. You know, you, you think about it all the time. You get up in the morning and you're excited about going to work. Uh, you're not going to be excited every day, but just you, that's, that to me is the key thing. Do you love this? Does, do you get satisfaction from it? And then go, going back to the passion side, you know, make damn sure that there's a market for your passion. Uh, and if there isn't, keep it as a hobby. Have a passion as a hobby, and you might want to find something else to open a business with. <laughs> but, yeah, do some homework. And, and like you see, you mentioned the word niche at the very beginning. This is about as niche as you can possibly get. Uh, I don't know of any other mug shops uh, that are – I've never been to another mug shop before. I haven't either, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that do uh, ceramic decorating, and there's a lot of people that make restaurant wear. And there's a lot of hobby shops that do this stuff, but there's only a handful that do stuff on this level for the military. Well, real quickly, I'm going to read. Uh, this is straight off the website that you guys can find. If you go to ajmugs.com, you can read all about it, and uh, you can see some examples of their products. But Dan and Diane still practice the time-honored art of hand-screen printed water slide ceramic decals. It says, we use the finest ceramic inks and precious metals available in creating our decals. All of our ceramics are hand-decorated. De- which allows our customers the ability to create, like you said, one-of-a-kind pieces that you're not going to find anywhere else and the flexibility to order as many pieces as needed. Dan, I really appreciate your time with me today. It's been educational for me. I think for my listeners, you guys uh, hopefully got a lot out of it. You can order online, or if you're in town, please stop by. Um, You'll be glad you did. Dan, I got one final question. This is out out of left field here, but I always like to get into silly season. Have you ever, now this might be a Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or anniversary situation, but are you ever standing there in the Hallmark aisle, have you ever been brought to tears while trying to pick out a card for your wife? Just thinking, oh, wow, that's it. That hit me. She's going to love it. No. (laughs) No, I have not. You've got to be honest. Is there a movie, I asked another guy, is there a movie that makes you well up? Is there something... That's uh, one of your favorite films of all time that just hits you right where... <laughs> yeah, it had to, to be Patton. You know, Blood and Guts Patton. I just I love that movie. Mm-hmm. No, I, God, there's so many, and there's, you know, there's such a wide range of emotions that you can put a, a movie into a category for that. Uh, yeah, there's a ton yeah. of movies that, you know, if I'm channel surfing and it, it pops up, I'll, I'll jump right in and watch it. I don't care if I've seen it 20 times. I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, or do you, do you have a favorite actor? Robin Williams was probably one that I just absolutely respected. I loved him. What a unique talent there. Yeah, his talent was just unbelievable. I still, to this day, I laugh every time I hear his rendition of uh, his, he's going to invent a game called golf. Uh, (laughs) It's one of my favorites. Uh, I love golf, too, but he was a talent, and he was just a phenomenal actor. So Dead Poets Society, you know, pops up as as a movie that, to me, was very meaningful and had a strong message. yeah, he, he made some good stuff. So he would probably, if I had to say, my favorite actor at this moment from you asking, I'd say, say Williams. Well, you can't go wrong there. Dan, this has been just spectacular, and uh, I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me today. And uh, to everybody out there, I um, hope you got a lot out of it as well. And remember, next time you're planning a vacation, come to Pensacola if you've, ever, if you've never been here and you need to visit Dan at A&J Mugs. <laughs> 
All right, that's it for Dan time. You guys have a great week. Go out there and make a difference in somebody's life. We'll see you next week.